Well, we know the severity of the injury for Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. It is indeed a sprained MCL and Middleton, according to a press release from the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday, going to be out for a minimum at least two weeks. I mean, he's done for the series against the Chicago Bulls and potentially more if the Bucks do indeed advance, which I think we're I'm thinking they're going to advance here as uh, Middleton, the number two for the Bucks, done. The statement saying, quote, Milwaukee Bucks forward Chris Middleton left last night's game for Chicago in the fourth period with a left knee injury. Middleton underwent MRI and subsequent examination today by their physician, Dr. William Roche, uh, blah, 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 which confirmed the diagnosis rowdy of a sprained left MCL. Middleton will receive daily treatment and evaluation. The next status update coming in approximately two weeks. Big blow for the Bucks, or as we were talking about yesterday, maybe opens it up a little more, and Giannis Dendekumbo can take over some games. Well, two things more here so. for me. One, the guy that got injured isn't Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. That's by far your best player. That's by far your MVP. He is not two, the Greek freak. The mm-hmm. fact that they just elongate these series now, because <laughs> all, the all of them are seven games whether it's the first round or it's the NBA finals and they space them out like two, three days between games. Like, yeah, the bucks played on Wednesday. Do they play tonight? I believe. Yep. Tonight, seven thirty in Chicago, but they only played three games in a week. Yeah. Then the so next one's Sunday. In theory, if that goes seven, they're stretching that two plus weeks. I thought of you right when that statement came out from the Bucks for two weeks, because we were talking about it when we came in here uh, this Monday and it was the bucks played Sunday and then they don't play again till Wednesday night. That's obviously the game where Chris Middleton got hurt. And then tonight's game three, then game four is Sunday. So I think you, I think you could say it's actually. I think it's pretty safe to say that even with this Middleton injury, just by the end of the Buck series or the Bull series, you're going to kill at least one of those two to three weeks. Yeah. Now, now after that, you advance. You're going to play a better team because you're just advancing into the playoffs. Yeah. But I would say if you ask people in a hypothetical how far they that you think that the Bucks could have went with a bigger injury, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say first round they could for sure win, and I think a lot of people would still take this Bucks team to win in the second round. Yeah, the, let's see the Celtics looking like they might match up here with the Milwaukee Bucks in the second round. Now, I, it's going to make them worse. Oh, for duh. sure. Yeah, I mean the bench is already limited as it is, and then you look at Chris Middleton, who is the number two, the sprained MCL, but. Middleton, if the, when you think of Chris Middleton, Rowdy, and I, I don't mean to sound down on a guy when he's injured. When you think of Chris Middleton, though, do you think of a guy that produces more for the Bucks or a guy that you're left scratching your head for the Milwaukee Bucks? Most of the time, I would say it's the guy you're left scratching your head about. Same. Now, obviously, he's been pretty good in the past. Yeah. Oh, he has his moments. But also... When I think of the championship run that the Bucks went on last year, I think of Giannis dunking. I think of Giannis blocking. I think of uh, Drew Holiday stealing. I think of Giannis and the one Drew Holiday steal to pass to Giannis. Just but like, that, you. like that's the thing. Chris Middleton at times in those big games was nowhere to be seen anyways. Yeah. I now, think I'm, of, not, I'm not ripping Chris Middleton. No, neither am I. And saying how the Bucks are a better team with like with him hurt now. I just don't think that's true. But I don't think it's as it's not a biggest blow 
to this Milwaukee Bucks team as it would be to like a normal NBA team if their number two got hurt. So we've seen it, right? We've seen like game two, for example, Brooke Lopez uh, was unleashing himself or game one as well. So Brooke, we've seen Brooke Lopez step up to the plate and fill a void. We've seen Drew and Drew Holiday has been playing pretty bad these past first two games here. So if Drew Holiday can just play like how Drew Holiday normally is, uh, you know, an all-time defender and a guy who can get it done offensively uh, when needed, if Drew Holiday can step his game up, and you got Brook Lopez when they run that high pick and roll where they have so much success of Brook Lopez just you know slamming down, and if he can hit some splash mountain threes from you know beyond the arc. The Bucks have another guy who is capable of stepping up, i.e. Brooke Lopez. The only question, Rowdy, is can the bench can the bench step it up a little bit? Because the bench so far for the Milwaukee Bucks, game one and game two, have been pretty suspect. You would think it can. They have. I mean, I remember Pat Connaughton having a couple of good games in the playoff run last year. I'm not saying he's going to be like a savior for the Bucks. Yeah, he hasn't been able to shoot the basketball very well so far in the first couple playoff games. I think you could say that for a lot of the guys here uh, on the Milwaukee Bucks. They haven't been able to shoot the basketball very well. It's been a lot of jitters, it looks like, and just a team that uh, kind of gets away from running their offense with the Milwaukee Bucks. So the loss of Chris Middleton for, listen, it's going to be longer than two weeks. I don't... I don't think he's going to be back after two weeks, do you? After a sprained MCL? They said the next evaluation will be after two weeks. I think initially they said three to four, potentially. So, See, I'd be, I'd be curious to see, just we'll because see. we did see Giannis, what, he sprained his knee, hyperextended his knee. Yeah. He was back a lot sooner than what they anticipated at first. They're back right away. Now it's a different injury, but yeah. still. You've, th- you've seen guys come back or play through worse when the playoffs are on the line. Yeah, totally. And Giannis is in the Kumbo. I remember um, him talking before this run of the playoffs started uh, when he was talking about his knee injury. And his, the doctor was saying that if he were to, you know, suffer any more damage from a sprained MCL or, you know, maybe hyperextended again, his career could potentially be done for good. But Giannis is the Greek freak. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to go out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk it for the biscuit, man. And I'm going to play. So tonight they are going to play. Bucks still favored, by the way. Uh, I was just looking at uh, uh, one line here. I see Bucks are favored by two and a half over the Milwaukee, or I'm sorry, the uh, Chicago Bulls here. The Bucks were favored uh, game one and game two, Rowdy. Weren't they like 10 to 10 and a half point favorites for each game, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So Bucks now are just two and a half point favorites. Well, That's now, on the road. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to be given more points away because it's yeah. not a home game anymore. It's now a road game. But then, yeah, obviously got to factor in the Middleton injury a little bit. Yep. And Bucks still favored here again, two and a half. Giannis Dendekumbo was, you know, meeting with the media, talking on the podium um, after uh, Game Two, their loss to the uh, Bulls, and he was talking about, you know, they got their backs against the wall and know what they need to do to get a road win. Take a listen to Greek. We'll see. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a challenge. We kind of know the deal now. Got to go and uh, get one on the road. It's gonna be hard. Nobody says it's gonna be easy, uh, but we we know what the deal is. Chris is down, uh, but we have a great team talented team, tough team. Hopefully we can go out there and compete in the, the highest of our ability. And now if we thrive through adversity, we'll see. We cannot predict the future, but hopefully we can be ready to uh, compete in game three. I think they'll be ready to compete tonight. He also says uh, he knows the feeling that Mid- Middleton is going through with his injury in the playoffs last year that Rowdy and I were just talking about. It's tough. I've, I know that feeling. Uh, you really don't want to listen to nobody. You don't want to talk to nobody uh, because you really don't know what it is. You don't, you don't, till tomorrow, you're thinking, uh, you're expecting the worst. 
hope for the best. But at the end of the day, he knows that we are by his side. And I don't need to say it in the media. Like, he knows that he's my brother, no matter what. Like, we need him to win. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for the best. And hopefully it's not too bad. He can uh, join us soon because we, we need him. So if anyone can uh, give him a little pep talk, be honest, Denikumbo after that hyperextension of the knee. Now, Rowdy, other guys, and we were talking about it, needing to step up, i.e. the Brooke Lopez's, the Drew Holiday's, would like to see that bench step up like a Pat Connaughton. He says, you know, with other guys out, or Middleton out, time to step up. We've got to focus on ourselves, and, you know, we have we have a job to do here. Uh, obviously, uh, Chris is uh, one of the best players in the team. Uh, if he's not able to be with us, uh, it's going to be a tremendous loss for us. But at the end of the day, like we've got guys that uh, hopefully they can, you know, step up and uh, we can still do our job and compete and, you know, enjoy the game. And hopefully it's not something very serious that he can come back and join us uh, very soon. So, Rowdy, what are the Bucks got to do? What's the number one thing for the Bucks to do? Is it stop? Well, besides make shots. Stop DeMar DeRozan. If you stop DeMar DeRozan, who had a career-high 41 points game two, playoff career-high 41 points, is it stop DeMar, then you can win? I think, weirdly enough, I don't think I would put stopping DeMar DeRozan number one, and I don't think I would put making shots number one, weirdly as that sounds in a basketball game. What would be Rowdy's number one? Turning the basketball over. Ah, yes. And especially when you look at the fact that now Chris Middleton played in the first two games obviously before hurting his knee and drew holiday, they combined just in game two for 10 turnovers. Mm. They did not even play the entire game. (laughs) Now granted Middleton got hurt and missed pretty much the fourth quarter and drew holiday. He played starter minutes in the playoffs, which means it's elevated. It's not like his, if he would normally play 35, it's like he was probably playing in the low forties. But that's what I, like that's what I'm getting at. Both of them didn't even play a full game, and they still combined for ten turnovers. That's that's not that can't be a thing. No, yeah, turnovers are. I mean, that'll doom you unless you're, unless you're the Philadelphia 76ers, right? What? How many did they have? Twenty four. Twenty four turnovers, but needed overtime. Yeah, and it wasn't pretty. Now, did they win? Yeah, but that's what I'm getting at. It's like just cut the turnovers, and you probably win both of the games think about it they came back after playing horribly and they beat Chicago game one by seven they played even worse and lost by four yeah so cut, I, yes. we have limit the turn I mean that's pretty simple right you one control the basketball yeah one limit the turnovers two have your bench and uh non-star players shoot better then three I'd I'd say First two have to take care of yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to get yourself shooting. first. Third one would be DeRozan. But do you really expect DeMar DeRozan to shoot over 50% next game from the field and have over 40 points? Like, I get he's a good player, and he's I, been an MVP caliber guy so. this year. But, but to the, consistently shoot over 50% and score 40 points, if you can do that, hats off to you. Totally. To play devil's advocate after the fr- game one against... Um, the Bulls, we said, okay, the Bucks won, but they played terribly. Like, there's no way they can play worse than that. I think they took Chicago's best punch and found a win. And then what did the Bucks proceed to do? They played the worst game, too. So, again, I'll say this. I don't think they can play as bad as they did game two than tonight down at the United Center. Well, if they continue to play this way like they have in the first they don't two games, deserve to move on. then we really do have a series. Totally. And then DeMar DeRozan was, I mean, that was a career playoff high. For DeMar DeRozan Wednesday night, uh, Giannis talks about, you know, 
what they did, the best they could do on DeMar DeRozan Wednesday. Take a listen. No, we did, we did our job. We were, we were right there. He made tough shots. We were right there for the most of it, and uh, we're going to keep being right there. Well, he's a great player. He can make he can make those shots. He showed it in the past. He showed it tonight. And we just got to keep making that stuff as possible for him, and uh, hopefully he miss. You know, there's nothing else you can do. You know, you cannot force, uh, kind of take the ball out of his hand. He got, he's going to shoot the ball. So I think we contested most of those shots, but he, he made them. Got to give him credit. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan, I mean, that was a hell of a game from him, man. But again, it's Well, the- he's known as a player that he's kind of like a, a slasher, whereas he likes to get to the rim. He likes those mid-range jumpers, not known necessarily as a three-point shooter. He was knocking down pretty much anything he shot yeah. in game two. He had the magic touch. And he was pretty good in game one, too. He had the magic. And like Giannis said in that little clip, it's not like they can like physically beat on these guys anymore. It's not 1990s basketball. If you do that, you're going to get in big time foul trouble. Exactly. See, okay, actually, I I do have to vent on something. Oh, pl- about oh sure, NBA. yeah, please. Vent so away. I was watching the Nuggets game. They're down in all three hole now. Obviously, because we had a razor's edge bet with the Golden State Warriors. By the way, you cashed. But I do not understand how in the NBA, for some games that you can barely breathe on a guy and it's a foul. And then all of a sudden you can have guys shoving uh, Jokic and or fouling three point shooters clear as day, like shouldering into them, AKA nuggets on the warriors. Both teams were playing extremely physical and like, come on now, like like nineties ball, like Jokic is getting shoved under the hoop or like, completely getting run out of the paint because the guy's just shoving him or Jordan Poole going up for a three pointer and clearly getting clipped by a shoulder from a nuggets player. And neither one drew any calls, <laughs> but then in another game you watch, it's like guy barely gets touched. If it's James Harden going to the rim and he's already shooting free throws. <laughs> I don't get how you can ref it that extreme one way or another. I don't, I- the NBA refing is always very good. Then people get upset if you're like a, I would say more of like an NBA casual or not a big NBA fan and go, man, the NBA looks rigged. No. Yeah. I mean, you're totally right. I'd never understood the NBA's uh, line of reasoning when it comes to how they referee certain players. It's like, why can't you just have it as an even playing field? It's like, why can't a so foul be, why can't a foul be we a interviewed, foul? We had Grant on for an interview from the Wisco sports show Tuesday. And I, jokingly said when he was like, yeah, Jokic is uh, getting all upset about it. I'm like, I watched the games. I I had no skin in the games in the first two games of the Warriors and the Nuggets. Yeah. Draymond Green was following the Joker. I, I, I don't care what <laughs> you say. Like that was clearly obsessive, especially in today's NBA rules. That was a excessive contact. But then I watched the game three yeah, and yeah, Jokic did not get as many calls as what you would think because he was pushing guys around. They were pushing him, but the, the shooting fouls or the lack of shooting fouls with physicality, I was like, man, they're not calling it either way in this game. Yeah. I don't. And these are referees that are at, you know, the highest level and you wonder yourself, why can't you just be consistent across the board? Uh, we'll talk the rest of the NBA playoffs coming up here. And Rowdy, I, I'm going to throw this out there, and I think this is going to happen. You're going to see some, uh, you're going to see some questionable refereeing tonight at times as well. Just strap in and get ready for whatever it is that the zebras bring tonight. The Philadelphia Phillies will host the Milwaukee Brewers. 6:05 first pitch. 
as Ranger Suarez is on the mound for the Phillies. And opposite of him, a guy we're hoping who get a good start under his belt. Because right now, fastball Freddie, Freddie Peralta's ERA sits at 11.57. It happens. Early in the season, though, Rowdy, 11.57. We saw bounce backs from Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. In, in fact, two, two in a row of them looking really good. What's up with Freddie Peralta? Well, you can you can even argue that out of the five guys in the Milwaukee Brewers starting rotation, four of them have thrown the ball well at least one time this season. And the for the majority of them, it was in their second start. Mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta is the only one that clearly hasn't had one good start yet this year. And he was a guy that finished in the top eight for Cy Young voting last year. He was the number three for the Brewers. I think it was pretty clear cut Burns, Woodruff, Peralta top three, and then everybody else. I, yeah, he just, well, one, it's kind of some of the old bugaboos that Freddie Peralta has always had. It's walking guys. Mm-hmm. It's walking guys getting behind hitters. And then all of a sudden when you had to come with a strike, that's when hitters take advantage. It, I mean, it's not like this is rocket science. Yeah. Throw, throw strikes. Get batters out. You're going to have a lot of success. He hasn't done that. Like he he's gotten he's walked a ton of hitters. He's gotten behind hitters, and then when he's had to throw strikes to hitters because he's behind, they've taken advantage and they've hit the baseball. Yep. I mean, there's there's not much else you can say. But I I know I gave out an NBA pick for uh, the Razor's Edge at six fifty. But I mean, if you're looking at this. You have Freddie Peralta on the mound versus Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez has been used in the past as a relief pitcher and as a starter. He's a younger player for the Phillies. I know that they're high on him. But if I'm looking at this just as like a betting perspective, I think I'm going to look at uh, Freddie Peralta and ride with the Brewers on the money line here. I mean, they're plus plus 110 to plus 115. How many times this year do you think you're going to get Freddie Peralta at plus money? Not Not often. That's what I'm saying. Look at his first two starts. He was a heavy favorite in both of them. Now, did he struggle? Yes. But, I mean, let's look at Ranger Suarez. The guy that his ERA is just under six right now. It's not like he's been Mr. Cy Young either. Right. And he's a guy that normally isn't uh, someone that's going to be stretched out where you're going to expect him to throw seven, eight innings. He's not a he's not a Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Also, we know that the Phillies are five and eight. Yeah, the Brewers' offense hasn't been great this year. It's coming up. They've started playing better the last three, four, five games. Mm-hmm. Phillies' offense hasn't been that great. Who, I mean, and, who, who are you looking out for, Castellanos and Schwarber? Well, you also have Harper. Let's not forget about him. Yeah. But Schwarber's not swinging the bat well. He's yeah. batting up below 200. Schwarber's 6 for 41 with a double, three home runs, and seven RBIs over the past 10 games. And to Rowdy's point, he's batting 170. Exactly. Now, Castellanos and Bryce Harper are the two big guys, obviously, to worry about. But some of those guys that they paid, like you just mentioned, the Schwarber, they haven't been performing up to snuff. It's not like uh, in the last decade the Phillies have spent money that wisely when it comes to acquiring players. Mm -hmm. But just looking at it, you have Freddie Peralta at plus money right now as an underdog. The guy he's facing, like I was mentioning, is not a guy that's going to go super deep in a start. He was a relief pitcher. He hasn't necessarily pitched that well. ERA just under six. Neither offense has played that great. The Brewers have been trending up a little bit the last three, four games. 
and obviously you would say that the Brewers have the better bullpen. I'm just telling you, there's so, probably value, and you're not going to get a ton of plus money value on a Freddie Peralta for long. Cause, uh, we'll ask Dave about that coming up. How just, about this? Well, just in general, do you really think? We've seen Freddie Peralta since May of 2018 when it was, what, Mother's Day, and he had all those strikeouts in Colorado? Yeah. It was a record. He had 13 You would say out. since 2018, since that game, you've seen more positive Freddie Peralta than bad. Big time. Now, at the end of 18, it was, they started getting a book on him. He really only had a fastball that he was throwing was 75%. 75% of the time. They just flashed up his numbers earlier this year. He's now throwing that fastball about 50% of the time, but he's also mixing in that slider, mm-hmm. the curveball, and occasionally a changeup. So that coming down 25% is quite a bit. And we've seen Freddie Peralta since 2019 look a lot better. I think it's just a matter of time. Like, normally I said this. You were talking about Jaleese Chassin in the past. How long do you give these guys? Yeah. Five, six starts. And he, this would be his third start. This is his third you start. checking? And, and at this point, yes. there's no reason because his velocity, his slider, like the, the movement and the brakes on all of his off speed don't look much different than they were last year. He's just not throwing strikes. So, and that's been a thing for all their pitchers yeah. to a point. And this they've year. all gotten back on the good foot, so we'll see what happens tonight. In the last ten games, check this out. The last ten games, the Phillies are two and eight. They have a two point four three batting average. Their ERA is six point oh four and outscored by twenty three runs. The Brewers so, I'm actually surprised that the Brewers are underdogs in this game. So the Phillies are two and eight, batting two forty three their last ten games. The Brewers are seven and three, but batting two oh nine. Their ERA, though, is 2.73 compared to the Phillies' last 10 of 6.04. And the Brewers have outscored opponents by six runs, as opposed to the Phillies being outscored by 23 runs. The only thing that's alarming is the batting average. So Brewers' last 10 betting 209 to the Phillies' 243. I mean, 209, yikes. But, Rowdy, um... Are we thinking maybe a little so Freddie Peralta on the money line because how often you get him as a as a dog? Yeah, I mean he's been heavy favorites in his first two games. Now also those came against teams that you would say were potentially lesser opponents coming into the year. Like think about it, it was Chicago. They were seen as I believe their win total was seventy four and a half, mm-hmm. and then was it uh, the Cardinals? Now that was a solid team. He didn't look great. But now you have the Phillies who on paper are technically worse than the Cardinals and the Cubs so far this season. Mm-hmm. But they're probably in between those two in reality when you play 162 games. Still, I just I can't believe he would be a favorite against the Cardinals and a heavy favorite against the Cubs to all of a sudden a dog against the Phillies. Yeah, yeah. and Ranger Suarez is not... I mean, he's nothing special. Like remember, said, right? if I remember correctly... Um, for that that uh, Peralta start against the Cardinals, didn't he face Wainwright? Uh, I'd have to go look. I want to yeah. say he faced Wainwright, which Wainwright's been the ace of the Cardinals for like fifteen years. Eighty years. It was. Years. Let's see here. Brewers. Freddie Peralta was opposite of Michaelis. Oh, Michaelis. Still, same. Yeah, that's yeah. a guy that's had a lot of success yeah. since 2019, but, and he was a slight favorite. Yeah, Michaelis went six and two thirds, giving up uh, one earned run and striking out seven. Miles so, Michaelis has also been an All Star, I believe, yeah. in his career. And Freddie Peralta got shot. on the money line. The Phillies are the favorite, but on the run line, the Brewers are the favorite by plus. I don't know. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I was I was thinking of 
something else. Well, how about but this? Yeah, you're never going to confuse yeah. Ranger Suarez at this point with Miles Michaelis. No. No. Well, how about this? No, you're not. Well, that's some good. And wasn't it Strowman that he faced against the Cubs? Yes, I do believe that was the Cubbies. Uh, I'd have to go look one too. Uh, let's see here. I'm just. I'm trying to remember. Really I'm trying Freddy to remember Peralta, who his matchup up. Yep, was. You're right, Strowman. So okay, so he faced Marcus Strowman, former All Star. Cubs currently have played better than the Phillies. He faced Miles Michaelis, former All Star. Cardinals are definitely better than the Phillies. Now he gets Ranger Suarez, an up and coming guy that was seen as a prospect not too long ago. But he's a dog. It's time to get it. Okay. 605, first pitch, Philadelphia, the Phillies. That's some good juicy nuggets there. I just got it. Open the door for the four-time grilled cheese champion here in Wisconsin. Our loyal listener, OG listener, Maytag man, Zach Washer, going to join us at 8 o'clock. He's going to set up his grill and unveil the new grilled cheeses he's doing this year. To hopefully be the five-time champion in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. This guy, a champion unknown around the world, gambling champion, champion of my heart, and hopefully future ball sunner as I was yesterday, our guy Dave Essler, Uncle Dave, good morning. Well, good morning, sunshine. (laughs) Dave, I I didn't know why you got the eye roll emoji to me yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you've heard in uh, this new health craze. I've actually been on it for a year. It's called sunning your balls. Dave, and it helps you like it helps rejuvenate and supercharge your body. I would love to inst- extend the invite because you know I'm always trying to get you up to Wisconsin. I have a beautiful spot; it's nice and woodsy, and it opens up for the sun to shine in. If you, if you want to come sun your balls with me, I'd love to love to show you. Show me what the su- the spot. <laughs> <laughs> we you're, we don't have to do it together. I'm just saying I, I could like lead you there, and then we can set you up, and then I can leave if you're uncomfortable, Dave. Uh, what do you think? Come up to Wisconsin for a badger t- uh, tailgate and sun in our balls. Yeah, maybe because you'll have leaves on the trees, maybe or early in the early in the uh, the fall, uh, and and you and you might. I, I don't want to be blinded by the light. Um, I am a very pale is, individual, Dave. That is true. Yeah, I know, I know, and that, I would embarrass you in many other ways. Normally, Dave, I would say go towards the light, but in that case, I'd say Dave, run quickly away from it. Dave, it's it's, yeah, not, it's nothing physical. It's just for the health and well being of our own bodies. Okay. Well, we have sun down here, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a little more sun here than in Wisconsin. So, uh, Dave, this weekend, then I want you to really sun in those balls of yours, okay? It really it really supercharges you. Yeah, if I were to ever do that, which the odds are, are pretty well stacked against you, um, I wouldn't put it on Twitter. Well, I put an emoji in front of it, Dave. It's uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't nudity. It was no, I, I, I just wouldn't even want to be It's no different than wearing a bathing suit and someone taking a picture of you, you know? I, I don't disagree. You know, you just have <laughs> you, you just have lower standards than I do. Uh, well, what do you mean? For, I, your, for your for your for your what you share with the public? Oh, uh, well, I actually had shorts on. I just put the emoji over it. But Dave, yes. Um, so I guess we'll we'll leave it there. I'll let you think about it over the weekend. Maybe we can figure it out. Okay. But how about this, Rowdy? Could you tell Dave what you were telling us about Freddie Peralta coming up here and to see if he gets the? Because uh, Dave, last week. You were money on the Brewers. I was checking out your free pick. Um, what was that pregame? You crushed it for the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, it was the over. It hit like by the fourth inning, I think. Was that correct, Rowdy? Like it hit right away. Yeah, the Brewers Cardinals over hit. Yeah, Dave, well done on the crew. What are you thinking of Rowdy's idea here with Freddie Peralta? I, just looking at it, I, normally Freddie Peralta is going to be a decently heavy favorite with the Milwaukee Brewers. Now you get him as a 
plus money dog against Ranger Suarez. I know he's thrown the ball not ideally so far for the Milwaukee Brewers, but uh, this is a game where you're not going to get uh, much better value on Freddie Peralta, especially playing the Phillies. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I heard your take on him before the break, um, but I'll, I'll throw I'll throw the something else at you, please. Um, the interesting thing is a lot of those guys you mentioned for the Phillies, uh, Nick Castellanos being one, is hitting five thirty eight off of Peralta with four with with a home run uh, and four doubles in thirteen at bats. I know it's a small sample size. Uh, Bryce Harper, two home runs and seven at-bats. Riss Hoskins, three for five. Schwarber, your buddy, um, uh, two for six with a home run. So I'm not so sure because the other side of that coin is, and I agree with your take on Rangers for us, but the Brewers have never seen him. So it's kind of almost like a like an early advantage Phillies, I think. So I might be inclined to take the Phillies oh. for the first for the first five innings, because I, I mean, both bullpens have been relatively not great. Okay, okay, Dave. Maybe I could because Rowdy and I could sniff on a little, uh, little bet with you personally. But Dave, uh, I saw. Well, in, in 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 Rowdy's case, I would call it an emotional hedge. Rowdy, is this emotional? I'm actually out of all the out of all the I can be pretty down the line. The Brewers and Packers and maybe Badgers to an extent are the the three teams that I can get a little emotional on, but I don't, I don't think this one's emotional today. This one's a uh, head on straight. Okay. Okay. No, I was, I was thinking you maybe should, uh, son his balls. What? No, you are, if you want, <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I was thinking you would bet on the Phillies and that would be an emotional hedge because if the Phillies win and it's even the first five, so you've only got, you got four more innings to make it up. You can you can make a little money, and if the Brewers win, you know, hey, you're happy, but you know, you might have huh. dropped a couple dollars. Huh? Interesting. I'm not a, I'm not opposed to doing that, and I've done that in the past. I just feel confident in the Brewers tonight. All right, the man is unshakable, Dave, with his confidence in the um, Brewers tonight. Unshakable. Hey, if I bet my if I bet my feelings, I would be probably bankrupt. All right, well, I have a lot of feelings in this game. I'll switch to the NBA, Dave. I have some feelings into this game because, you know, Chris Middleton is now down for the Milwaukee Bucks, and I want to know what you think of losing Chris Middleton and the Bucks through the eyes of a better here going against the Chicago Bulls tonight because the first two games it was anywhere from 10 to 10.5 that the Bucks are favored. Now I see 2.5 going to the Bucks on the road at the United Center without Chris Middleton. What does Dave Essler think of this? Well, I, I look at, at previous games and, you know, the Bucks could have lost uh, game one. I, let, me, let me find it here real quick. Yeah, um, it was a very sloppy game for the Milwaukee Bucks game one. And uh, yeah. And then game two, um, they just didn't look, they looked out of sorts as well again. And now you have no Chris Middleton. So I don't know how that, like, you know, if, does that shell shock the Bucks or does it wake them up, you know? You know, well, for my money, you know, all three NBA games tonight are home underdogs. And I think you could probably bet two of the three of them would make money. To be honest with you, are the Bucks I mean, are the Bulls one of them against the Bucks? Um, you know, gun to my head, I probably have to. Man, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I would say I would probably not have said that a week ago. Yeah, because the Bulls, the Bulls were just pitiful down the stretch. I mean, they was they were they were a money burner for betters. 
Um, but, um, you know, a little, th- this is like the NBA playoffs is a little bit where you can bet a little bit on emotion. I mean, you know, I think the Bulls probably came into that series thinking, well, we're playing golf in 10 days. And, uh, <laughs> And, and the Bucks probably came into it and said, well, we're going to have five days off after a four-game sweep. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I, I think now that the, the Bulls have a quote-unquote chance, you know, that could that could uh, probably get them a little bit more motivated. I, I think now that I'm thinking it through, you know, the Bulls in the first half might not be a bad way to go. Or maybe even the Bulls in the first quarter, you know, because the home team, will, uh, the home crowd will keep them a little bit motivated um, and then I think maybe the Bucks would probably win the game later because they just they're just a better team. Okay, oh, Dave Essler, Uncle Dave, joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter, Dave underscore Essler, E S S L E R. Check him out what pregame dot com. My man, Dave, uh, always crushing it. Dave, you personally, is there something you're very confident in? Maybe tonight for Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, anywhere in between for tonight or maybe uh, this weekend's action? What do you got? What do you got cooking? If you want to give us one little nugget before we get you out of here. Well, I like I like New Orleans. I mean. They're getting a point and a half or two at home um, against Phoenix. And um, I think New Orleans is another one of those teams that people came into the, the playoffs thinking, well, Suns 4 nothing. Um, you know, the the Suns could have well lost that first game. And I, I think New Orleans out-rebounded them in the second game by over 20. I mean, that's not something you just fix. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a decided advantage. And, you know, the Suns are going to be without Booker, so... I don't understand why two-thirds of the money and two-thirds of the tickets are still on Phoenix, but, you know, I don't make the rules. I would expect that to change as the day wears on. Right, did you have some- no, I just I was just waiting for him to mention the Booker news. Okay, gotcha, yeah. Uh, Dave, before I let you go, my friend, I'm, I'm telling you, man, we got to get you up to Wisconsin, and I have a little uh, song for you on the way out, so if you want to take a listen. Yeah, blinded by the light. Oh, no, this is uh, Here Comes the Sun, actually, by the Beatles. (laughs) Blinded by the light, Manfred Mann works pretty well, too. Uh, Dave, what do you got going on this weekend? Are you just going to be watching all the baseball, all the NBA? Are you going to get out on the links and do a little golfing? What do you got cooking? I may play this afternoon. I don't know. How's the lungs doing? uh, Well, you know, they're they're probably about 80% of what they were at one point, but, you know, (laughs) golf golf isn't exactly strenuous. No. Um, I don't know. Sunday I'll go to church. Yeah, good church going, man. Um, tomorrow, I probably whatever my wife wants me to do. If I got to be honest, Dave, that's exactly my weekend or my Saturday plans too. What the wife wants yeah. to do. Great minds yeah, think alike. I'll, Just we got to get you I'll on some by, of those balls. I'll, I'll know by mid. I'll know by mid morning. Well, let me ask you because my wife is all for me doing the you know the ball signing. What if your wife told you to do it? Would you do it? It depends what the what the what the. the if she, I could get paid, if she, I could get paid back. Paid back somehow, yes. Does she have Twitter or anything? No. Oh, I was going to say, I was going to DM her and be like, hey, tell Dave to do this. <laughs> Dave, you have a fantastic <laughs> weekend, man. We love I, you, brother. I, I'll, I'll give you her email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DM me her email. I'll see what she says. I'll email her, okay? Yeah, yeah okay. All right, you're the man, Dave. Have a, have a good weekend, brother. We got that time. Right, you, you guys, too. Right, see you, buddy. There he is, Uncle Dave, Dave Asler. Good stuff. I think I can get him to do it, Rowdy. I think I can. Maybe before church on Sunday. NFL draft for less than one week away. Rowdy's been breaking down all of the position groups day by day, position by position, sort of quarterbacks, went running backs yesterday, tight end, and today Rowdy is what? 
Yeah, we're basically just going to combine the inside offensive linemen and the offensive tackle, so just offensive line in general. And you made a comment before we hit break uh, last break there that you think the Packers go old line with their. I think they really could with at least one of those picks if they stay where they're at and they do not trade up. All right, well hit us hit us with what you got, my friend. So. We're going to start with the inside offensive linemen. And when I say inside offensive linemen, I'm talking about centers and guards. And normally just for a rule of thumb for me, centers and guards normally going to be a little bit shorter than the tackles, a little less athletic, a little more stocky, a little more, I guess you'd consider them road graders. Road graders. But again, I did not go through every single offensive lineman that they had because I think there are some guys like the Evan Neals of the world, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, where the Green Bay Packers have absolutely no shot of drafting him. Mm-hmm. He's going to go before they ever have an opportunity to pick. So the first guy actually on the inside offensive lineman category that I looked at, and I actually love this pick, I think he's probably one of the safest picks in the first round. I'm going to go with Tyler Linderbaum. I actually really like him out of Iowa. I mean, this was a guy that originally was projected to be a top 10 pick. And I don't necessarily think it's anything of his own doing that he's done to fall in the draft. It's just other people kind of flashing and or people falling in love with quarterback, people falling in love with the wide receiver. Linderbaum out of Iowa. I mean, the guy's quick. He wrestled in high school, so he knows he's got really good balance. He's always the first to the spot. He's a little undersized, but I I look at this guy as he's going to have like a really solid 10-year NFL career. Okay. Now that's another first-round pick. Another guy inside Zion Johnson, a lot of natural strength and pop. He's also played a little bit of tackle. Another guy that's projected to go in the late first round. You have Cole Strange. He's got really good pad level. He's long, strong, but he does have a little bit smaller frame. He's projected in the third round. And then you also have Luke Fortner. He is out of Kentucky, plays multiple positions. They said he is a guy that's got room to grow both in his body and on the field and is an elite personal like character guy. He was a three-time captain. Could have some range issues where maybe he's not the quickest, where he's not going to get to every single block. But again, that's a third-round pick guy. Another guy that I like kind of later in this draft is Zach Tom. And he, he originally played left tackle, but they believe he's going to, to be more of the inside offensive line mold. Really, really good at pass protection. He does have plus technique and body control, but he's a bit undersized and can get a bit too uh, aggressive. We'll see where he's at. He is a projected fourth to fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. And then the later kind of uh, shots in the dark here. Sixth, seventh round projection for Zach Thomas. Good pass run blocker, but zone scheme fit, which we know the Packers use. Good pad level, but really lacks power and mass. He's a smaller guy. Then there's a couple. Uh, William Dunkel, he is uh, also Bill Dunkel, I guess you would say. Aggressive, powerful. <laughs> I like Bill Dunkel. Lacks a little technique and balance, but again, he's a preferred free agent. And the other one was the. Uh, Offensive lineman out of Minnesota, Andrews, plays multiple position, four-year starter, big-time size, but he's got athletic limitations. He's another preferred. Now, what does athletic limitations mean, Rowdy? Well, obviously, he's not. He's got, like, nine toes? Potentially. (laughs) But, yeah, doesn't necessarily check all the boxes when it comes to being a big-time athlete. But those were some of the inside offensive linemen. Like I said, Tyler Linderbaum is 
probably my favorite pick for like the most steady. Lindelbaum. The steadiest pick out there. And then you look at offensive tackle. Real quick before we get to tackle. If the Packers, and sorry to interrupt, if they do indeed get a, use their first, their highest pick in the first round with an offensive lineman, will Packer fans, the casual Packer fans, freak out? Well, let me retort with this question. If they use 22 to draft Chris Olave and uh, Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, 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 would you be okay with that draft? I mean, you yes. got, you got, uh, yes. in my opinion, the most solid steady offensive lineman in round one. And you got Olave, who's a top five wide receiver in the draft. I think you could sell that to just about all of Packer nation. Like, I don't think anyone could be that upset by it. No. Okay. Good. Touche. Touche. Rowdy. Like tackle. So offensive tackle, like I said, kind of with the inside offensive lineman position, not going to grade some of these guys that are out there because they're just going to go too early for the green Bay Packers. But one of the guys that I actually really did like for them was uh, Bernhard Raymond out of central Michigan. This is a guy that didn't start playing uh, football until his sophomore year of high school. And now he's coming out of the draft from central Michigan. It's a guy that's room to grow, came in as a tight end, moved to offensive line, was a quick learner and obviously a little more athletic due to playing tight end. Also, you have Trevor Penning, another three-year starter, got some size and length, has to add some more strength. Both of those guys are projected first round, early second round. Tyler Smith is another guy that's explosive, athletic, got some power, but he's extremely raw, and he has been docked with some holding penalties in the past. He's projected in the late second round. Abraham Lucas, big run game guy, Scheme limited, so I'm not exactly sure if he fits the Packers scheme, but he was a four-year starter. Also long, strong, but he's his weakness was false starts. Mm-hmm. So you got you kind of got to give something up here, especially when you get in these uh, middle to later rounds because he was, like I said, a third-round pick. Kellen uh, Dish, I believe is how you say it. Super athletic dude, quick, but he lacks a little strength and arm size. He's projected in that fourth, fifth round. You have Braxton Jones. He's got side, lacks technique, but he's quick. He's like the guy that's like super raw, super developmental, where he's got all the intangibles, but he might not have good pad level. He might lack technique. Another fourth to fifth round type guy. And then the last one, kind of like that shot in the dark, kind of athletic big center that who knows exactly how good he is, but uh, Matt Walzutsko. Out of, I don't even think I nailed it. No, I think you got it. But yeah, Matt Walzutsko out of North Dakota State. He's one of those guys that's absolutely huge. He's really powerful, but because he's so big, he can struggle with pad level because he's just that tall. Also, playing at North Dakota State, who the hell is he playing against? He's playing against FCS competition. And uh, when you get that big and that's that long, you can. I guess have some overstrides when going into pass protection. That is one of his demises. But yeah, those are some of the guys at offensive line, offensive uh, inside and outside at tackle. Basically, when I look at inside guys, I'm looking at guys that are kind of the gritty, the road graders. The guys that are a little shorter, little shorter arms, maybe not quite as athletic, but they're kind of mean. Yeah. Once you start looking at the tackles, you got to look at the athletes. And once you get past like round two, three, that's where you just basically start drafting traits. Like, hey, this guy's pretty athletic. Sure. He's got pretty long arms. Can we develop him into something? I can dig it. I 
I really I told Rob this on Thursday, Rob Reichler, Packer Insider. If they get Chris Olave and Linderbaum in the first round, I would be the happiest camper when we come back on Friday. Well, we we want to make you happy with that, Rowdy. I like that. Happy camper, Rowdy. So, Rowdy, I, I dig it, dude. Well done. And you're going to be diving in even more so over the weekend for the draft. As you kind of started with the positions that the Packers probably well, yeah. weren't going to dial in on right away. Yeah, like we, besides maybe like an offensive. We lineman. did quarterback, yeah. running back. I don't really see them targeting anyone until like the fifth round or later if they do target them to begin with. But I'm going to save uh, wide receiver for Thursday because I think we're all hoping. That's the day. I think we're all hoping that they take at least one receiver on Thursday, yes, right? Yes, indeed. And that little uh, Olave to Linderbaum would be pretty, pretty nice. Our guy Raphael, mybookie.ag, VSI Doc Sports. Raph, what's good, man? How you been? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you. Hope you guys are doing well out there. Big game for uh, for you guys today. I know, Raphael. We're uh, out there. So, uh, young Ben Kenny over here, who uh, is um, uh, a part of the Bill Michael Show, which is after us, and he hangs out with us. He is from Philadelphia. So, we have a little something, something going on right here. The bet going on that the Brewers, uh, well, it's between Rowdy and Ben. Uh, Rowdy's got Brewers two out of three. Ben's got Phillies two out of three. What do you think happens, Raphael? We got Freddie Peralta on the mound opposite of uh, uh, Ranger Suarez. Both don't really have the greatest of ERAs. But Rowdy, tell Raphael what you were saying earlier today about this bet. I just think it's hard to pass up. I know he hasn't pitched well in the first two games, but uh, getting Freddie Peralta and the Milwaukee Brewers as dogs in this game, I think it's hard to pass up on that value. I agree. Uh, getting Peralta and the Bucks at plus money is something to, I would probably wait because I think Philly money will probably uh, come in and she can maybe get a better number uh, on the Brewers. I would say don't take anything uh, plus 110 or lower. See if you can get uh, anything higher. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it goes to plus 115 or higher uh, before the first pitch is thrown. Yeah, so, okay, I can dig it, Raphael. Uh, when it comes to baseball, I see that your Chicago Cubs, they uh, got a little matchup today. They're going against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Anything you got uh, betting-wise when it comes to your Cubbies at Wrigley against our matey, the Pirates? Well, you know, if the, you know what the win is doing if the total is seven and a half when you have Drew Smiley and Jose Quintana on the mound. That, that wind must be blustering in 50 miles per hour because if, if the wind was blowing out, the total could be 21. Uh, I, I like the Cubs on this spot. Uh, both teams are six and seven. I think the reason why I like the Cubs is just because I don't want to be in last place. I think the Pirates should be in last place and then the Reds and then us. So uh, I don't want to be in a gutter, but I, I've been surprisingly – uh, optimistic with this team. I mean, I'm not going to say they stink yet, but uh, I've been optimistic. <laughs> so you would say that if uh, you saw a bleacher power ranking report of bleacher the report. of the yeah of the Cubs being ranked seventh going into this week, you would say what? Uh, that is untrue. Whoever did that report needs to do some uh, research. You know, it, it's, it's still young. I mean, come on, the Angels are in first place, so that just tells you how young the uh, the season is right now. Yeah. Uh, Raphael joining us right now. And Raph, uh, for the uh, like, I I think I brush over it sometimes, and shame on me. Where can people find all the great work that you do when it comes to uh, the 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 sites that you companies that you work for and uh, the publications you do? Where are you at? All, all my crazy betting ads. You can find those over at mybookie.ag. Uh, anything you see that's funny and shocking that you can't believe that someone put an odds on it normally came out of my head. 
You can find me over at DocSports.com uh, as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at VSI Sports no, and Instagram. I love it. And, Raph, you've been with us. We love you, man, because you've been with us for so long. We, in fact, met you when my bookie teamed up many, many moons ago. And we're like, we like this guy. Let's let's stick him around. So, Raph, uh, Raph today, uh, you like this as a good Wisconsinites that we are. We actually have, and I wish you could set lines on it. I don't think you can. We have the Grilled Cheese Championship tomorrow in the beautiful state of Wisconsin. One of the contestants over here, Zach is a four-time cheese grilled champion. He came in and he made us grilled cheeses. If you were to set a line, he would be the heavy odds-on favorite at being the five- and six-time champion coming up here on Saturday. So, Raph, grilled cheese at 8 o'clock in the morning, and now Rowdy and I are drinking beer. What do you think of that? Uh, that's uh, Pepto-Bismol's at its finest, I would probably <laughs> think. But, yeah, I, have, I, I think I did research on that a couple years ago on the Wisconsin Grilled Cheese Champions because I used to do some stuff with the, uh, uh, eating – competition odds. I did a camper here a couple of times here in New Orleans for the Oyster Championship, but uh, it's I would not be shocked if we see more uh, stuff like this because it gets huge ratings uh, when it comes to oyster. TV. I'm just shocked that we haven't seen more than a hot dog eating contest on TV. Tell me more about this Oyster Championship. Like how many oysters, if you remember and know, how many oysters can one put down to win a competition like that? Because I, oh, love, I, I think, love oysters. I think it was like a hundred and something. I oh think it was. God. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was pretty gross uh, <laughs> doing that and seeing that uh, live. And I've and I've witnessed the Crystal's hamburger eating contest uh, before. I witnessed the White Castle eating contest before. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive what these guys can do and uh, the training that involves uh, not just sitting around and watching a bunch of fat guys eat. The training that goes on <laughs> at anybody that eats these stuff. Uh, uh, Raphael, before we get into a, a big fight this weekend, I know you got some stuff on. Speaking of, of fights, uh, I know you don't have anything yet. Maybe you will. Uh, but we had a news of the weird today at 7:50, and it was about uh, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp was on the podium uh, in this in this in this court case they have going on between him and his ex-wife Amber Heard. And Johnny Depp was talking about how Amber Heard uh, dropped trow and then dropped the huge dookie in his bed where he'd slept, and it was pretty wild. Are you going to do any uh, crazy, wacky prop bets on this Johnny Depp Amber Heard situation, or like <laughs> is, is this on your radar to like have people gamble on? It is on my radar. I got an email from one of the PR companies I, I do business with, uh, so I have to finish my Stranger Things season four odds uh, today and finish some NFL draft stuff. And I'm going to dive into that because it, it, the whole thing is weird. I mean, that's, it, the whole situation is so weird that Johnny Depp is probably going to win custody of the kids. Uh, so that's probably uh, uh, more shocking than anything. So did you ever have a run-in with Johnny Depp? Because we've talked about all kinds of, you know, like Danny DeVito, you've uh, you know, crossed paths with, Tiger Woods, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Did you ever have a run-in with Johnny Depp? I've never met Johnny Depp. I heard he's really small, uh, but I never met him uh, personally. Like I, he was always staying at other properties that that never worked with, like Seizures. I think he was a big Seizures guy, so uh, okay. I never met him. Okay, so Raphael, when it comes to, I'm not talking the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard fight. What do you got coming up for uh, the fight this weekend? What fight is it? And what do you got? Like, what do you? What's a good little uh, thing for us to look into? Uh, tomorrow, uh, early after all, uh, early evening, uh, Tyson Fury, uh, Dylan White, uh, World Heavyweight Championship on ESPN pay-per-view. Uh, it's a heavyweight fight. Uh, uh, Tyson Fury see if he can knock another one. But don't sleep on Dylan White. Uh, he, right now, I think he's a plus 450. I would not be shocked if Tyson Fury money c- comes in because he came in weighing only 261 today. Everyone thought he was going to be about 270, 275. So he comes in a little skinnier. So I think Fury money will come in. 
I think Dylan White can uh, surprise a lot of people. I would not be shocked. His left upper hook, if he lands at Tyson Fury going night-night, I might take a shot at the plus 4-1 to one Tyson, uh, Dylan White by KO. And, Raphael, before I let you go, speaking of uh, individuals named Tyson, we uh, have ourselves D-Bag of the Week. I know you always going to chuckle out of this. Our D-Bag of the Week is up and active. We have three entities uh, to vote on for who is the Bag of the Week. The first one came earlier this week. It was the protester at the Grizzlies-Timberwolves game where she chained herself to a basket. She's up. And then the USFL's Maulers for cutting a guy for ordering pizza instead of uh, chicken salad. And then the third entity for D-Bag of the Week is the dude on the airplane who is chirping at Mike Tyson. Who would be your D-Bag of the Week nominee or candidate here, Raphael? It's the young pup that got, that got beat up by Tyson. I'm all for Tyson. He got heckled for over 10 minutes. What are you supposed to do if you're Mike Tyson? Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Tyson's done some stupid stuff, met him multiple times, talked to him uh, uh, multiple times. You just don't poke, a, not a bear, a pit bull, and think you're going to get away with it. I'm on Tyson's side. He, that kid got whatever he got. It's like a bear and a pit bull and whatever, like, you know, the, a lion or whatever predator, like apex predator you can think of combined. That's Mike Tyson. I mean, he bit off a dude's ear, and you want to go, go mess with him? That's crazy to me, Raphael. I was at that fight. That was, that was a very, oh. very long evening. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what went through your mind when you realized that the ear was bitten off? Uh, I was running to the sports book because I knew chaos was going to happen, uh, and chaos did happen. Well, what happened? Shot. Did you guys pay out? Like, what happened with that? Uh, eventually, we did. Uh, I think we did mostly refunds and all that. But we had our sports book was shut down. I think for about five to six hours because they closed the casino down. People were knocking chips over the blackjack. It was complete, complete chaos. And that's the same day uh, Tupac died. Oh man, what a day! I did, yeah. Suge Knight yep. killed him. R.I.P. Yep. Allegedly. That was, a, that was a very, very long evening of my uh, Vegas sports book career. <laughs> yeah, wow. And when you met Mike Tyson a couple times, nice guy or? or? First, time, first time he was mean and it was in his fight days. Uh, second time uh, when he first started going on stage talking about his life, he was probably about almost 250. He's a huge fat guy. Very <laughs> noble, very uh, down to earth. The last time I met him. I think it was high as uh, uh, pretty high. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he was headed to a, well, a marijuana convention, actually, when that guy was started, you know, messing with him. Yeah. Raph, we love you, man. And again, how can we get a hold of everything you got going on? One more time for the fine folks out there. Follow me on Twitter at VSIDAXports. You can also find me on Instagram at Raphael Esparza. Raph, you the man, brother. Have a great weekend, and nice to hear you. We missed you last week. We had dead air for 50 minutes in your honor, all right? Thank you for the dead air. I was, I was, I was honored. <laughs> See you, buddy. Much love. Take it easy. There he is, Raphael. 